0: before I was rudely interrupted, okay. I now to, you can you know, say it. I wanted to yeah, I wanted to say just how happy I am to, delighted I am to be back here. This is about my fourth time. And uh, the last time I was here I said one of the great things of you know of how how much I love the the crowd that that comes here because uh, I had a, one of the books I did was a uh, biography of on Gil Hodges. And when I was doing all the media around town, I had my argument how Gil Hodges should be in the Hall of Fame. So I had all my points and argument, and I, I would have all these hostile hosts, and I'd argue with them. And I came here, and I had all my points. And we had a big, big, we had a lot of people here for that. Oh, yeah. Chancey he was here. And I said, OK, uh, how many people here should think Gil Hodges should be in the Hall of Fame? Everybody raised their hand. <laughs> So I'm always happy to come
1: back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, now we're going to go back to where they start of the podcast, but, and we're going to get back to that as well. Uh, we are live in the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse at 67 East 11th Street in the landmark cast iron building, Greenwich Village, City of New York. We start tonight as we always do. To those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. To those who have been here before, welcome home. Tonight's book, Jackie Robinson in Quotes. The Remarkable Life of Baseball's Most Significant Player. Published by Page Street Publishing with the author, editor, Danny Perry. Please join me as we welcome home Danny Perry to the clubhouse. (laughs) And to get back to something you just said, uh, before we get into Jackie Robinson uh, by himself, this is Danny's fourth time in the clubhouse. The clubhouse has been here for six years, and with one exception, when we had a, a special uh, tribute to uh, a Nikki Davidoff book about Mo Berg, it was an anniversary. Every other book has been written within the six years. We only do new books. Uh, so Danny's had four new books within those six years, which now puts you at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, uh, that's why I did it. Yeah. <laughs> we have a few three yeah. uh, three timers, but yeah. they're, they're, you. you surpass them Uh, and the four books that Danny was here for he mentioned Gil Hodges Roger Maris Derek Jeter and tonight Jackie Robinson and I started to think about it and I don't know why. I had this image of an empty ballpark four guys in there on a bench those four guys and you know them in your own way uh, in different ways if there were those four guys on a be- on a bench, in a dugout, in a ballpark with no one around, what what would happen on that? What would the conversation well, be? Well, one
0: of the interesting things with Derek Jeter is he said, he was asked, who would who would you like to have your foursome for golf? Mm-hmm. And Jackie Robinson was on his list, mm-hmm. so he wanted to ask him a lot of things. Like, and I'm sure. Uh, the other two players, Maris and Well, Hodges was a teammate of Robinson, so he witnessed what went on. But I would think, Jeter I know would ask him, how did you do it? Because Jeter thinks, I, can't, I couldn't have done it myself. Maris would have had, been able to relate the fact that in 1961, he was subject to terrible press. The most vicious press when he tried to break the home run record, on uh, you know that that's what about half the book is just how the press attacked him, and Jackie Robinson in 1947 breaking the color barrier was 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 victimized by a, a substantial number of of uh, reporters, but also fans all over the country and uh, and uh, rival rival ball players and rival managers <clears throat> so he went through a lot of the same thing and Roger Maris and Jackie Robinson they died I think Maris was 51 and Jackie Robinson was 53 when they right. died and the toll that, the, the, that was taken which we'll talk a lot more about with Jackie Robinson but um, they, that's what they I, I think they would talk about uh, Hodges and, and you know the thing that's interesting with Hodges and and uh and Robinson a white guy and a black guy who got along on this team and they actually at a time nobody socialized as couples they would go out together and they uh they were very close friends and they both died you know in in 1972 at a really early age and Jackie Robinson was uh I think Jackie Robinson would have asked Gil Hodges, "How come you died first? You weren't supposed to die first. I was supposed to die first, even though he was young." And I think that's what the conversation. I don't know how much happy stuff would be there, <laughs> except uh, they all have a, you know, tremendous legacy. You know, Derek Jeter's will continue. Oddly, I did part of the Derek Jeter quote book in a strange way because you know he's so famous now. When think uh, how will anybody ever forget this guy? But you know, I learned with Roger Maris and Gil Hodges. Ten years time, people sort of forget what the guys' legacies are. Even Derek Jeter will say, "What did what did Jeter do again?" Well, he got the 3,500 and whatever hit, 65 hit. But what else did he do? I just heard he wasn't that great a fielder. So those are the two <laughs> things. I a lot of hits, and I, he wasn't a good. So your your reputation goes down, and you know, over the years, and Hodges and Maris really, uh, you know, my arguments to get both into the Hall of Fame. Right. Hodges is easier; nobody agrees with Maris, but uh, but the, 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 their legacies really, it, it, it's I, I'm I'm so happy that with Jackie Robinson, who who's who was really. Um, you know, he he died in in 1972. He was put in the Hall of Fame in 1962. By the time he died, his reputation wasn't so great. So who was some of the people saying who was this guy? And over between 1972 and and maybe 1987, when his there was a celebration of of 40 years since he broke the color barrier, particularly 1997 when his Bud Selig retired his uniform and, and made him a cause celebre among, among all major leaguers. People forgot who he was. Can you believe this? People did not know. Ricky Henderson, I heard he was a really good ball player, but I'm not sure who he was. Vince Coleman. I don't know no Jackie Robinson, unbelievable. And so I am uh, thrilled. That he's famous again, and is that lofty? Every ball player who comes into the major league now, they see the 42 retired, and on on the on the day that Jackie Robinson today, every every year, everybody wears his uniform number, so everybody knows Jackie Robinson now. So that at least is something.
1: What I really enjoyed about this book. I enjoyed the Jeter one too, with the same type of a format. But what I really enjoyed about this is that I felt like it was a, a coffee table book and a history lesson at the same time. Where if I opened any page, I felt like I learned something. You could just sit there and kind of just open it up. But I, obviously, I know you went through and curated the quote, uh, each quote. As far and there's a reason why I'm going to ask this. As far as the order of the quotes and how they were laid out, was that your call, or that was always
0: it's always me editing. I uh, but Derek Jeter, <clears throat> Derek Jeter is an interesting challenge. Let's put it that way to do a quote book. And I people, <laughs> I'd say I'm doing a Derek Jeter quote book. And I say Derek Jeter quotes, nah, doesn't work. <laughs> <Because> Derek <laughs> Jeter was somebody, as you know, or if you don't know, he was he would after ball games he was always available to the press. He would. He would say, "Okay, come and talk to me," and he and he would deliberately give the tritest answers to every question. <laughs> he would never go into detail. With Jackie Robinson, you know, uh, you know for for the research, I would I would uh, contact the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, and they would send me material for uh, for the players, all the all the, the files they had. So Derek Jeter, I got about this much. Jackie Robinson, you know. <laughs> unbelievable amount of material, you know, each page would have about five articles on it. Just so much material. Because Jackie Robinson would, uh, was a great interview, he would be interviewed, he would also give speeches, he also wrote columns in 1947 and then sporadically through the 50s then he was hired by the New York Post It's date how far back it was when there was a liberal newspaper in 1959. And then he worked uh, in the New York Amsterdam News, the uh, African American paper, and he wrote really pointed things. And as you said, he gave these speeches, all, uh, political speeches, all through the 50s and uh, and the 60s. Uh, you know, for the uh, for Martin Luther King, for the NAACP, he was like on travel all over, and gave speeches all the time. He was like uh, he was more popular than on the circuit. Than, than King was and uh, <clears throat> so, so and <clears throat> he wrote four books including the last one which was his real <clears throat> his real autobiography and other people wrote books about him and wrote columns about him and so there's a wealth of material and uh, it was up to me to put it back put it into some order and I think there's a momentum there. What I like when, when people tell me when they read this <clears throat> is like a page turner, like a mystery novel. And, and it's instead of page to page, it's quote after quote after quote after quote that takes you through his life till he dies in 72 but then keeps going because his legacy continues. And that's, that's really what I wanted, how, how you know we have the rise, the fall, and the, and the resurgence and now the celebration of, of Jackie Robinson. Who was this guy? And I find the quotes, uh, I love oral history. I think it's a very effective way to tell a biography or a, about an event, about an era, you know, about a person. And this quote idea, which is my idea, it's an oddball. It's very quirky and it works. And it's like quote after quote. and, and it has a momentum and uh, so you you might sit up all night reading a 400 page book <laughs> right <laughs> which it's a, it's, a, it's a substantial book
1: oh absolutely you you do take take us through his life in, in wow. all ways <clears throat> and the reason i asked that question before <clears throat> is the very I, I just wanted to see what is the first quote in the book so i just want to read Great. the and first quote in the book and then if you could just speak about <clears throat> it Uh, It's a quote by Jackie Robinson from 1964. This is the first quote in the book. Our family name, Robinson, no doubt was borrowed by us from a master. It is difficult to realize that one's great-grandparents were chattels without human rights, that they could be bought and sold with dollar values on their heads from birth to death.
0: There's a, may I borrow the book? One yes. second. There is a quote, and I want to get it right. Um, there's a quote, which I have in the front, in the front of the book. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Hold that second. There is not an American in this country who is free until every one of us is free. That's Jackie Robinson quote, which I think is a great quote. But what's interesting to me is, it, in all his speeches in civil rights in the 50s and 60s, <clears throat> he talked about uh, exploitation. He talked about basically social ju- achieving social justice, uh, integration that leads to equal opportunity, um, uh, dis- uh, uh, end of discrimination in housing that which is a big issue, a big issue for him. Um, economic and uh, elevation uh, political clout and most of all and it's all summarized and f- being a first- class get first-class citizenship for his race but he very rarely talked about the, used the word free where I want to be free the, the, the blacks have to be free that's that's extreme uh, and and that's why I kind of that, that quote always gets me because going back to that first quote you read and there's a second quote that's, uh, that's similar they became uh, his his parents um, and five kids and the parents were sharecroppers in Cairo, C-A-I-R-O, Georgia and he calls that Jackie Robinson is a second quote another form of slavery and, uh, and then he does and there are not a lot of quotes through the book where he talks about slavery in terms of the black people because he was always optimistic. He always, you know, when he's breaking into the baseball, he thought this is going to lead to the whole society changing, which it did, but not enough. And then when he, went up, when he retired, he became a political activist and he traveled all over, as I said, and he, he always thought things would change for the better. And they did a little bit, and they did a little bit, and then all these guys, started black leaders started to be killed off, assassinated. And, uh, and there were splits among uh, African Americans. And Jackie Robinson himself was like, kind of pushed aside in the, in the 1960s in the Civil Rights Movement. Martin Luther King was dead. So, and he got very disillusioned and uh, dispirited. And finally at the end he had peace, enough peace, he had diabetes, he was dying, he lost sight of one eye, he was in really bad shape, but he had some some peace. But he said it, it, this is toward the end of his life, I'm never gonna, this is a very patriotic guy, staunch anti-communist, actually pro-Vietnam War for part of the war. he just said, oh, when I see a flag, I can't salute it anymore. I can't sing the national anthem anymore. And at this point, he realized we didn't make as much progress as I wanted. We are still, as a race, uh, we're not free. And that, that word really has relevance. So I think about that a lot in terms of, in terms of, in terms of that.
1: Before we got into the before you get into the quotes, you have this one-page introduction, and I really thought it was really beautiful. And there's one sentence that you wrote. I just want to read that sentence. Uh, he never cared if anyone liked him, mm-hmm. as long as he felt respected. A trait that is most admirable, but made life much harder for him.
0: Yeah, and I was actually thinking of that today about about that how. Uh, that that's one of his most famous quotes. I don't care if I don't care if anybody likes me. I'm not making any effort, but I want to be respected. That was his his big thing, and I think he always wanted dignity and respect. Those were the two things. But I think it really would have helped him if he if he did socialize, if he did you know welcome other people into into his world. He did it to an extent. I mean, uh, Ra- Rachel. Uh, Robinson, his, his incredible wife, um, says that they, they didn't care about making friends with ballplayers, especially in 1947 when he was breaking through. That wasn't the point of the whole thing, is making friends. But they'd have, when they would leave the ballpark, and more as the years progressed, they would have their own friends. They said that was enough. You know, we go, we do, we do the job, we try to win. We're friendly enough with the other ball players. We go out with the Hodges, a couple times, um, but that was enough. But you know, and when when you just see what happens to Jackie as as the years progress, um, he didn't have enough friends in baseball, and it would have been nice if he had more friends on the Dodgers. He had some, and they're good friends. And Carl Erskine, uh, Ralph Branca, uh, you know, The black ball players he had conflict with Roy Campanello, They were really close for the few few years, and then they had conflict, uh, which was fueled by white press, which always tries to divide all the the, the black athletes and make them rivals rather than uh, comrades. Um, and but uh, I I think it was it was hard for him. But he, this is his personality. He just was always agitating always trying to change people's opinion, always always uh finding a cause to fight for. There was this as Ralph Kiner I think he told me, uh Jackie Robinson always had a rage in him. Um Jackie always said that he didn't have a burden. It wasn't a burden that uh, he was breaking the color barrier, but I think it was. And uh, I think he could have been it would have been for his benefit if he was more amiable. But as his friend Roger Kahn said, Roger Kahn who uh, uh, many of you know wrote, uh, wrote for the Herald Tribune in the 50s and when Dick Young became Roy Campanella's friend, uh, Roger Kahn became Jackie Robinson's friend uh, and uh, Roger Kahn said this is an angry black man and that's uh, that's a positive. That's a good thing that he, he had this rage and, and he never, he never backed down, and and I have one chapter. I forget the name of the title, but it's basically an athlete who went, who would not stop talking, uh, and not stop agitating, not stop being political. And and uh, when Jackie Robinson was uh, end of his rookie season, he was a hero not just of uh, African Americans, but uh, everybody in America was just admirable of him. And there was a poll taken, uh, most popular. Popular figure in uh, in America, everybody. Number one, Bing Crosby. Number two, Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. So, and and by uh, by the mid 50s, nobody liked Jackie Robinson anymore. He was just agitating and just an un- seemingly unfriendly. And uh, but uh, that's him. That's right. what he did. But I, I you know, in terms of taking its toll, it did.
1: Well, I'm sure this crowd has some questions, so I want to turn to them. I don't want to keep going by myself, so does anyone want to lead off with a a, a question? Michael? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interesting enough, I think when I read his autobiography, I was shocked that he was a public. And um, it seemed like Know, hanging out with Nixon's and the Rockefellers, he was more disappointed than anything else. Trying to make point, out. is there anything in the book regards to like, like what was that? A lot. That was such a focus point <laughs> that I, like. It just seemed like in his heart, in his deepest and deepest things, he would say Nixon and Rockefeller were the biggest disappointments that he ever gone.
0: Through. Yeah, Paul Robeson. Rup- they testified against Paul Robeson in 1949 in front of. House of American Activities Committee when Paul Robeson had said something like, uh, uh, African Americans would never fight against Russia because there's no discrimination there and there's no discrimination, uh, and there is discrimination in America. And uh, <clears throat> and Branch Rickey, a staunch Republican, uh, and uh, sort of pushed him into testifying in front of the UAC and uh, which gave legitimacy to UAC and I I think that's the bad thing. If you ever look at his testimony, he mentions Paul Robeson for about two seconds and then has, all this really militant stuff against how poorly American blacks are treated. So uh, he shouldn't have legitimized it. He always regretted going there. He had helped ruin ruin Paul Robeson's career. He couldn't couldn't get a passport after that. Paul Robeson never always, still admire Jackie Robinson and you know he said that's what I spoke about before about how uh, blacks are always divided by by I guess the press whatever that's what happened with Paul Robeson said they always try to split us up and that's what they did with Jackie Robinson but by after like five months Jackie Robinson was supporting Paul Robeson saying really good things The, the the Richard Nixon thing is one of the weirdest the strangest bedfellows ever, Jackie Robinson and Richard Nixon. Um, one of the things I found in the book uh, is they've actually met in 1952. Uh, yeah. Jackie Robinson supported Richard Nixon in the 1960 presidential election. You sort of assume that's when they met. They actually you met in 1952 at the Republican Convention, uh, and I'll explain why why Robinson was there. But when they met, and this is how people become friends who aren't normally friends, Richard Nixon says, I saw you play football at UCLA. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a play I saw, and I remember this play, will you explain it to me? And Jackie Robinson, yeah, you remember this play? you know?" And, and so we explained this play to him, and, and that's how they, they had this little bond that he always thought that Richard Nixon was a, a good guy. You know, uh, a, regular, a regular Joe, here he is, talking football with you know, Jackie Robinson. And um, Richard Nixon became vice president to Dwight Eisenhower. And Dwight Eisenhower was not popular with blacks. And, and there's some really interesting letters. I, didn't, I mentioned all the things that Jackie Robinson wrote. I mentioned, I forgot the letters. He wrote to everybody. He's always <laughs> writing to presidents and complaining. That that was whoever whoever the president was, including Eisenhower, and he ripped into Eisenhower for saying blacks should be patient. That drove him crazy. Can't blacks? You know, how long are we going to be patient? A hundred years we've been living like this. We've had it. He's really really strong against him. But he always thought Nixon beneath everything. Every once in a while, Nixon would have some kind of speech that would sort of be okay to blacks, and. Oh, I, 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 back, I backtrack Jackie Robinson really believed in a two party system this was his, his thing his idea of democracy he had a real view he wanted blacks represented in both parties he actually considered himself an independent and he, I think he even registered as an independent if you're allowed to do that in those days but as uh, 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 Rachel and the kids who follow for all, all Democrats, all Democrats, and they never wavered, and they didn't like Jackie Robinson being a Republican, but he always said, I'm going to be a different kind of Republican, I'll be the voice of the blacks, make sure they're heard, heard in, the, in, 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 in this. In fact, in 1964, when he hated Goldwater, was about, he just despised Barry Goldwater as a right-wing Republican." Uh, and, and, and were really discriminating against blacks and and he actually Robinson started this 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 like militant uh, if you can believe it, um, militant Republican it's called something national Asse- Republican assembly and he was the head of this and he was called he was called within the organization a militant yeah, a Republican but anyway in 1960 the election uh, big election. Hubert Humphrey was running against uh, for one of the nominations for Democrats um, Minnesota and had a great record with civil rights and Jackie Robinson really wanted him to win and actually uh, campaigned for him, Democrat. He lost to John Kennedy. Kennedy and Nixon really wanted Jackie Robinson to endorse him. And they both met with him. They both wrote letters. They, uh, they courted him. They brought him in Jack uh, John Kennedy had been a senator for a while now. Had no record on civil rights. Didn't really know anything about civil rights, and wouldn't. And this is weird. Wouldn't look Jackie Robinson in the eye when they talked, and that really bothered him. And the other thing that happened, I mean, so he met. He already knew Nixon, and they talked, and Nixon. Said uh, you know, back me. Uh, you won't be disappointed. He, his his running mate was going to be Henry Cabot Lodge, uh, who's from Massachusetts, and Robinson. Thought maybe they're going to appoint a black to the cabinet. You know these two guys, which which would, which would be great. So, so the other thing is, Richard Nixon came back from from Southeast Asia, and and he gave a speech, which he said. Um, the communists are watching us, and if they see that we have discrimination here against blacks, that's really a feather in their cap. There. This is really, so Jackie Robinson took this to heart and mm-hmm. said, this is, look at this. So what happened is he supported Richard Nixon, and by the end of the campaign, when, uh, he, when, when Nixon wasn't listening to any of his advice, including he wouldn't, he wouldn't campaign in Harlem, why aren't you know? Because there are blacks there. That's as simple as that. And Martin Luther King got arrested in, in Georgia on a trumped up. He uh, didn't have a valid driver's license. He was put in jail and he was threatened to be on a chain gang for four months. And Robinson saying, uh, "Dickie, <laughs> Richard Nixon, can you uh, intervene, get him out of jail?" And he and Nixon's response was, "Well, I don't want a grandstand." And he backed away, and uh, two Kennedys went in and got him out of jail, and that's changed the whole mm-hmm. voting around and probably won the election for Kennedy. Is a stupid move, and uh, he wanted to drop out of you know supporting him. He stayed till the end of the campaign because Branch Rickey called him, said, "Please, you have to follow through." But after that, he never supported Nixon again. And in nineteen sixty-eight, his thing, the uh, he says, if the Republican Party backs Nixon or Reagan, you know, that, that that's a slap in the face for all black people. So, um, but he was a Republican, and also you got to remember the the Democrats at that time included a lot of the Dixiecrats. and Dixiecrats came up in the nineteen forties, in the late forties, and. Um, by 1964 you always think all these uh, when, when the politics changed that the, the Dixiecrats all went to the Republican Party and Strom uh, Thurmond and Jesse Helms and uh, there's one other guy I think the governor of Virginia no he was not Virginia um, Godson um, Mills Godson um, they went they all they were the only ones the other guys stayed. So you had uh, you know James Eastland, the guy went, you know, when the uh, three Freedom Riders were uh, disappeared in Mississippi and later found uh, brutalized. And, you know James Eastland's the guy who was who was saying uh, uh, this is a hoax, you know, for the bodies. around well, This didn't really happen. This is all a you know, publicity scheme, you know. And you had or or You had George Wallace, of course, who ran in '68. years. Partly as a Democrat and as an independent, and uh, so as a black person, you want either you want the you want to go to the Democratic side, you want to go to the, the Republican side. The guy he found, the guy he ended up liking, was uh, Rockefeller, right. Nelson Rockefeller, he was a liberal. Back in the days of liberal Republicans, he was uh, and even. There's letters to him at the end of. Uh, they they remained friends, and even the, the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Uh, if you ever go down there, it's on on Barrack Street. Um, there's a picture of Rockefeller outside. You know, so he, he, he remained friends with them. But when Attica happened and different things and and uh, Rockefeller stopped. Uh, being really active in terms of ending discrimination, particularly in housing. Uh, he got disillusioned with him too. So there's some vicious letters that he wrote to Rockefeller also, so. So he was in a really odd place uh, politically, but that's what makes him kind of interesting and complex. But he was a major force. That's what people, uh, from from the mid, from actually when he played, but then he retired, in, at, in 1957. It was a major force all through the 60s, uh, and then uh, the Student Non-Non-Violent uh, Coordinating Committee became radicalized, and they sort of pushed him aside as an Uncle Tom, and he lost his col- column with the New Amsterdam News, and he sort of faded away a little bit and uh, politically. So that's the long-winded political story, <laughs> of Jackie. Rock. So
1: any other
2: quote? Yes, Dennis. Um, he did some nice things, though. I, I have written a book about the history of the induction ceremony. when he was inducted in 1962. Um, someone said that it was him. Bob Feller thought when he was, uh, saw him for the first time he didn't think he was uh, ready for baseball. Oh, well, let me he interrupt was, you. Bobby. He was a very good athlete in football, basketball, and track and field. He had a record for many years. Anyway, uh, when Satchel Page was uh, mentioned in his probably the most significant speech ever by Ted Williams in 1966 when he went in at the very end, he said, uh, we all are given an opportunity except uh, Satchel Page and Josh Gibson weren't given that opportunity. And he said they should be, given, be in the Hall of Fame. And it took five years and all of a sudden they were going to practice in the Hall of Fame separate but equal and we we're going to put them, you know, anyone else after Gibson, after Page, he was the only one, in a separate area. Oh, f- from, the,
0: from the Negro League, so that's yes, a uh, uh, terrible George idea. And
2: then, the NAACP protested, yeah. and BBWA pro- protesting and all of a sudden, the board of directors of the whole panel backed off, and they were treated equally, right? I think so, that's one positive that, that came out of
0: one of the interesting things in, in 1962 when Jackie Robinson was inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame and he gave his speech, and this is this is typical of Jackie Robinson, he says, I'm going to use this honor to help black people. Whoever says that, or whoever says I'm going to help anybody is like, thank you mom, thank you dad, you know, <laughs> thank you, but he, everything in his being was to help his race. and. It just and so that that always struck me. One of the interesting things, though, that you mentioned Bob Feller and Jackie Robinson went in at the same time. They hated each other. They uh, Bob Feller uh, bef- Bob Feller pitched against Jackie Robinson in these uh, it was All Star games against Satchel Paige and Bob Feller the, the and Jackie all-star. Robinson and. and uh, I think he got Jackie Robinson out once, and then just said Jackie Robinson's never going to make it in Major mm-hmm. League Baseball, and they, they continue this uh, these arguments. He well, regretted that
2: eventually. Bob Feller eventually said. So, I don't know if he you did wrong. or not. Uh,
0: yeah. I met Bob Feller. Not he was nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. Yeah. People said he tried to run them over and everything. Uh, Bud Collins. That was Bud, part oh, wow. of Bud Collins' story when he would be in the parking lot, want to get autographed with Bob Feller, and Bob Feller put on the accelerator and trying to run <laughs> him over, he was a, he was a tough guy, who was in the Navy for four years, and uh, block, which is why he didn't win 300 games, but uh, Jackie Robinson's major cause after his playing thing in terms of baseball was he wanted a black manager by coach, black manager, and, w- and when his final speech at, in 1972 at the, at the second game of the of the World Series between the A's and the Reds, they honored him. I'm a good ball player. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, he said, his, his thing was, I'm very happy to be here, but I'd be happier if I looked at the third baseline and saw saw a black manager. So he mm. it's to the end, but his whole thing was, Blacks who you know who retired were not given opportunities in baseball. You know, major leagues just ignored them, so like they did with Jackie Robinson. I mean, Jackie Robinson didn't get any more jobs. He, he one year he was a, an announcer for ABC when they had baseball for one season in the '60s, but otherwise he didn't. And, and Bob Feller was a notion. They they, they would have these fights, uh, argue arguments with the that press. That, at both places and bob Bob feller would would you know who could get a cushy job with with uh major league baseball. he would say you know they'll find something eventually, maybe they'll find a black black sometime down the in the future who can be a manager or a coach and and he had, he couldn't care less about uh, the discrimination that went on in baseball so uh but he was great ballplayer. I love Bob Feller. <laughs> I liked he did like such a thing. And, and Bob Feller was very, and Bob Feller was very important in the development of the pension plan in the nineteen fifties, which is, which was really really important in the development for the, the unionization, unionizing of baseball. Danny,
2: I wanted to ask you um, what you thought of the
0: Hollywood movie Forty Two. Burns series about, okay. Oh we yeah, we, we yeah. did. I'm, I'm. I'm nice to the Ken Burns. I'm nice to the Ken Burns thing. My my comment on that is, uh, this isn't new. I'm not. I'm not at Libby. Uh, is uh, that was four hours, and I have 400 pages. <laughs> so everything that's in that, and I liked it. I I did like the, uh, that uh, documentary that was on TV for two nights for four hours. But every story in there is expanded in my book. So if you want to know more about, for instance, this one year in the Negro Leagues, which, which Ken Burns, for some reason, didn't really talk about, uh, it's, in, it's in there. So I had, I had more room than he did. He's, you know, Ken Burns is great. Uh, the 42 movie, um, I do want to talk about something in that movie, about that, which is, I think, interesting. I like the movie, okay, and some people were introduced to Jackie Robinson for the first time, and and they left the theater feeling good. And that, you know, it's a positive image of him. I thought the two, the actor and the actress, um, Chadwick Bos Bosman is the actor, were great. I thought that was like such good casting. Harrison Ford too, as as Branch Rickey. Um, there's a quote. I got a quote. I wanted to put a quote in this book from Chadwick Boseman. You know, I was curious. <clears throat> how do you play Jackie Robinson? You know, what? And he said, the only way I could play this guy, the, if you haven't seen the movie, it's basically 1947 where he breaks the color barrier. It's, it's that one year. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of fiction mixed in with the, with the facts. But I don't know why at this point in time you have any fiction at all. Everything should be. There's enough of a great story there, not for life, anything. So um, <clears throat> he said, and, and I think that this is this is really important in, in saying you know people say what kind of did you have a burden? Uh, how did he feel about himself being the the one black guy? And and I've come up with a thing I think which Chadwick Chadwick Boseman influenced me. He said I couldn't have played him. If Jackie Robinson considered himself a hero or an icon, Jackie Robinson didn't think of himself as anything special. Uh, he was he he was thinking of himself, and this goes to what I think. I'm thinking that he thought of himself, as he said sometimes, as a baseball experiment, as a that he was a guinea pig. Uh, when he was willing, it, not, not necessarily in a negative way, but. He was a representative of his race. He knew that everybody in his race, everybody's eyes were on him, he had to make good. There was a, a phrase of the day was to make the grade over and over again in his interview. I hope I make the grade. I hope I'm good enough to not be sent back to the minors. And that's what he kind of wanted. And, and, and I think the overwhelming response he got around the country Fan mail, you know, stacked up really, really high. Positive fan mail. People who had never seen a baseball game or aren't baseball fans were suddenly the biggest Brooklyn Dodger fans in the world. You know, they had to go to their local, uh, their local uh, market where everybody gathered and listen. They'd all gather around the radio listening to this, and he he didn't understand until later how. He knew it was important what he was doing, but he never considered himself, you know, whether well, they mentioned, the icon, bigger than life. But I'm never, I'm never so special. He was always humble, and he, even years later, you know, it was after Branch Rickey died, he'd always give Branch Rickey more credit than him, which is uh, you, you sort of didn't see that in the movie, but he actually, but branch ricky was putting himself on the line more than he himself was he's wrong (laughs) but uh but uh i I find that really interesting that the humility that jackie robinson always had because he never reached the you know the success that he wanted to not for just himself but um for everybody else and uh, so i think i i you know, when Jackie Robinson had his 42 uh, retired, and pe- somebody asked me on, on a radio show or something, and they asked me, uh, uh, "Are you th- would Jackie Robinson have been, uh, wanted uh, every year everybody to wear 42? You know, that he's, he's wearing 42? That's like a great honor of him. How would, he, how would he deal with it? And I said, oh, he'd love it. And then I said, you know, Jackie Robinson always said <clears throat> that if I made it it didn't, matter, it didn't matter at all <clears throat> if other blacks didn't come into baseball. You know, if, if Larry Doby didn't come in in July and become the first uh, African American in the American League and go through the same stuff that he went through, and then Hank Thompson and Willard Brown, and then Roy Campanella the next year, Don Newcomb, and then like, 44 players through mid, the mid 50s. This is what he wanted you know, this is success for him was, you know, meanwhile, the white press is trying to create rivalries between Robinson and, and Doby, you know, and, and every, everybody else, and you know, he wouldn't go for it. Uh, and he said, I hope these other players know how much I'm rooting for them, because that was what was meaningful. So, going back to the 42, how great it is that everybody's wearing 42. I think Jackie Robinson would want you know, maybe the Dodgers to wear 42, but everybody else, all these other pioneers for the other teams. What if other, the other numbers, Roy Campanella's number and Larry Doby's number and all of that? That's where I think, that's what I think should happen. That's that's that was what Jackie Robinson was all about. I he's done very
2: well. Uh, yeah, I it think was, it's the biggest. What's going on? So I I do a whole thing on discrimination in or, remember 42? And that has the rest of the story. I witnessed discrimination when I was a manager. That's something I know. Many Anyway, uh, but Jackie Robinson. This is interesting. His plaque was changed. He did not want anything mentioned on his plaque. You like this in the book uh, about, um, about his discrimination. Civil he yeah. just wanted his information from statistics and interviews. You have you his have a transcript
1: of the. Uh- the plaque is in here. Do you I have the
2: plaque? plaque, the original plaque. Yes, later, yeah, after he had plaque. passed away, his family changed it to add something about what he did. Okay. The one so.
0: thing I, I am very proud about. This is my story. Is I, I I write for the Tim McCarver show, and one of our guests was Rachel Robinson. And after the show, I was talking to her about several things, including a plaque. I said, "How come there's nothing about uh, him breaking the color barrier in, the, on the, in this plaque?" And she said, "Well, he didn't. You know, he didn't really want to. He just wanted to. He wanted. He was thrilled to get in as a, just a baseball player. You know, which makes sense. But we're all, everybody else is denied something. And while I'm talking, Joe Morgan, who was also on the show, overheard this. They changed the plaque." Because that's of that? That's that's, that's, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> proud, I'm proud to have been yeah, part of it. Good. I didn't do it myself, but somebody overheard <laughs> it. That's very good. So. I
2: didn't know that. Uh, you know, players like um,
1: Dixie Walker, you yeah. know, portrayed as you know being very uh, anti integration. <clears throat> uh, I think later on, I think it was in your book, I read the quote that it was the worst mistake he made in his life. Um, uh, do you think he was sincere? Do you think a lot of the players later on, you know, as time passed,
0: Think they felt like that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there were. Uh, what he was talking about in, in 1947, uh, when uh, Jackie was actually still in the Montreal Royals mm-hmm. uh, roster, but they were with the regular Dodgers, and it was it was well known that Jackie Robinson was going to be moved up to the Dodgers, to the Brooklyn Dodgers. Dixie Walker. Uh, started a petition, mm-hmm. this was in Panama, while they were still in, the, before the season started, saying, uh, we will not play with Jackie with any black player, mm-hmm. we, because the, these guys are from the South. You've probably guessed Dixie Walker's from the <laughs> South. Uh, and there were about a third of the major leaguers at the time I think were from the South. And, and, and the Jim Crow laws prohibited black and whites to play together, which, uh, I grew up in the South, and even and even casually, you couldn't play with a black kid in your front yard if you were white, which I found out. Uh, but um, uh, So Dixie Walker started the petition, and a bunch of the other Southerners, uh, Bobby, Bobby Bragan, Kirby Higby, Hugh Casey, um, and Pennsylvania Carl Farilla, who always swore mm-hmm. sure. that he never looked at the petition. Mm-hmm. He just mm-hmm. signed it. He was a young guy. And didn't know what else to do. And he was getting pushed in, and then they gave the, the petition to Pee Wee Reese. who was from Kentucky, and he said no, and killed it right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then nobody else would nobody else would sign. Nobody else felt they had to sign. Uh, and, uh, and then Leo DeRocher, who was the manager before being suspended for a season, uh, he he. He had a tirade against all the players, saying, "You know, I don't care if your uh, player is black, white, or has stripes of a zebra." Uh, and he, he's in his pajamas when he's saying all this <laughs> stuff. To, 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 you know, uh, he's going to be with us. He's going to help us get into the World Series. Uh, you're going to become rich because of him. And if you want, don't want to stay around, we're going to we'll trade you. And, and, and meanwhile, my brain he Also, brought in all the players one by one, by one. Dixie Walker. Um, uh, he wrote a letter to Branch Rickey saying exactly what he said, he said, I don't want to play with the blacks, so please trade me. And by the end of the season, you know, when they won the pennant as, as DeRocher had predicted, even though there was a different manager, Burt Schott, and had taken over. Uh, and they, they came rich, and Jackie Robinson turned out to be the player that Branch Rickey said he was, this, great, this really great ball player and his rookie of the year. And Dixie Walker was there, you know, celebrating with him and shaking hands and, and whatever. And, you know, but it was always a stigma, you know, I'm the guy who started this petition. And, and, and uh, Brent Rickey at, at various times has said, uh, you know, that. Uh, said that he wanted to withdraw that letter. But Branch Rickey won't give it to him back, but he, it, it, he, there's something very interesting in that book with a quote, and the next year, uh, Branch Rickey wanted to cut Dixie Walker's salary. Dixie Walker's the most popular guy, uh, and, and besides Jackie Robinson, who was kind of even more popular, on the team, and he couldn't really trade him. So he uh, he pretended that that letter, he wouldn't give back the letter, and he pretended uh, that. Dixie Walker was still demanding to be traded because he didn't want to play <laughs> with a black guy. And, and Dixie Walker, by this time, had changed his mind. And, and Bobby Bragan had changed his mind, and, and all the players who would, you know, who, hey, I like playing with this guy, and I'm richer, you know. So uh, and, and uh, so that's what happened. So Dixie Walker never lived it down, but it was kind of interesting to find out, his brother says that's what happened, Harry Walker, that, uh, that he changed his mind, but Branch Rickey wanted to trade him, and that was the only way to to get rid of him without the uh, populace uh, uh, being up in arms, which they had done when he tried to trade their other popular player in the early 40s, Dolph Camilli. The fans went crazy, and really, so he didn't want a repeat of that. So, it's very shrewd, very shrewd. We're, uh,
1: yeah, we're closing in on the... Uh on our time constraints with the podcast. So Bob, Bob, this is going to be the last question. Okay. I actually have two questions. Part me. Make them short. Yes. If you could
0: speak for a moment about uh, that iconic moment when Huey Reese put his arm around uh, Mr. Robinson, and also maybe uh, why,
2: when that petition came around, uh, why did uh, Mr. Reese
0: say no, being uh, uh, somebody from the South? Probably somebody, uh, you know, a lot of these guys. Dixie Walker had a hardware store. He didn't he thought if I played with, you know, I played with uh, black blacks people back home aren't gonna are gonna frequent my store. They aren't gonna buy anything. And this has happened all over. P. B. Reese actually had a bowling out. But everybody had something back home, and they want didn't want the the, the people to see. Um, he he'd been in the navy for a bunch of years. He knew that there were blacks fighting in, in the military, and that that had a big effect on, on him. Pete Reeser also, who needed some medical attention in an emergency, and the only person who could give it was a black doctor, and that changed his mind, you know, toward the, yeah. toward things. So so that that you know, just morality. You know, Pete Reese was a special person. It was every single player on the Dodgers. Just uh, loved Pee Wee Reese. Uh, he just, just a one of a kind guy. Did he put his arm? There's a date, May May 13th, 1947, in Cincinnati. Uh, Jackie Robinson, as a first baseman, his first year, uh, comes into town. There've been all these death threats. Uh, people say they're going to shoot Jackie Robinson. He goes out on the field. Uh, I think there was a national anthem with bombs going off, and <laughs> they thought it was guns guns ablazing. And, uh, and and everybody was really really tense, and there was heckling from the stands. And and the story goes that Jackie Ro- uh, that P- um uh, Pee Wee Reese goes and puts his arm around Jackie Robinson, calms him down. And and uh, the pitcher, Rep. Barney, says that's this this, this is something Jackie Robinson would say was the greatest thing that ever happened to me as a ball player. After that, you know, I saw the camaraderie we had. And, that, that just really helped me and calmed me down. Um, so in my book, the way I set it up is uh, is about this, uh, it's a sidebar and all this event of people talking about that event and Pee Wee putting his arm around and then it ends with a quote saying, it never happened <laughs> uh, from, from somebody else that, uh, that, uh, that nobody was writing about it, there were no, there were no cameras going, there no no photographs, uh, 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 all the papers the next day saying how warmly Jackie Robinson was greeted Um, there was another event the following year in Boston and they think maybe this is the real story And, and it was actually people making fun of Pee Wee Reese for having a black friend and then they sort of I don't know if the arm went around, but they 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 touched each other. Their hands touched. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that quieted everybody. It was Peter Risch getting getting heckled. And this is what I think of your heckling. And it, it shut people up. If they didn't put his arm around it, you know, there's even statues in Pony uh, Island for this. Uh, with uh, um, He did it in spirit. I mean, he could have done it many, many times. You know, it could have happened in a locker room. Could have happened you know that that was what their relationship was robinson could have put his arm around maybe Reese. and uh so if it didn't happen you know it's, it's a nice image and uh and that, that's what i think it happened sometime mm-hmm. so let's give it that date
1: and on that note that we're going to have to end the uh the podcast part of the evening again the name of the book which is really a fantastic book and everybody should get this Especially if you're listening to the podcast. Jackie Robinson, in quotes, The Remarkable Life of Baseball's Most Significant Player, by author, editor Danny Perry. Thank you very much.